Join us in this very timely episode where we focus on violence of action, which is a key component of the warrior-minded man. Now, there are times when warriors must step up and unleash the wrath of violence to rescue themselves and save the lives of their loved ones. Our special guest today is former SEAL Team 6 operator Clint Emerson. He's a New York Times bestselling author of Escape the Wolf and 100 Deadly Skills. Clint is a warrior who has dedicated his life to researching and perfecting the art of self-protection and self-rescue. We dive deep into how to survive an active shooter, what to do if you're taken hostage, how to stop a hyper-violent attack, what to do when you travel outside the United States, and of course, the violent nomad concept. Stand by. Welcome to the Man of War podcast where we forge men into warriors and get them battle-ready for the game of life. Learn warrior hacks that strengthen your mindset, self-confidence, courage, and personal protection skills. Unlock a life that embodies a warrior spirit for dynamic success in life and in business. If you're joining us for the first time, you're tuning in to the one and only podcast that empowers you to achieve greatness by living the warrior lifestyle. Each show, we interview elite men from around the globe and delve deep into their mindset and daily rituals, uncovering their secrets to success. I'm Rafa Conde, founder and creator of the Man of War movement. Join me on this life-altering journey where we recharge your mind, body, and spirit. Rise and night, my brothers. Welcome back to the Man of War podcast. My name is Rafa Conde, and I am your host. Before we get started, I just want to express my condolences to all the families that lost their loved ones in this tragedy that we had here in our backyard. Our community is still in mourning, and this is going to be a difficult one, no doubt about it, to get over. And uh, I really can't help myself, but every morning when I wake up, I mean, I think about the loved ones. I think about the grief that they're going through, and um, it must be unexplainable. With that said, our prayers are with them and our community is behind them. And uh, we're hoping that these situations don't just go by the wayside. These incidents, these tragedies. So we really want to try to focus on learning from these bad situations, from these mass shootings. A show like today is very important. It just happened that I recorded this show literally a couple of days before the mass shooting occurred. And we go into active shooters and we go into the warrior mindset. This is a very important episode. And if you can, please share it with people. Have them listen to this. There are so many important lessons learned here. This is one of the better shows that I've recorded, certainly the most timely show that I've recorded. A dynamic change has to happen, there is no doubt about it. But it's going to start from the individuals that have that warrior mentality. It's going to start from the individuals that want to make a difference. It's going to start from the individuals that are looking to save lives and not worrying about fucking politics. So I urge my listeners to continue walking in the warrior's path, to step up, to take action, to get stronger, right? To increase and strengthen their courage, their mindset, get your skill set down, train, get involved, 
right? It's not just okay to listen to the show. I mean, the reality is that you can sit here, listen to the show, read books, get inspired, watch YouTube videos, but action is the key. That's the bottom line, man. If you do not act on what you have, on what you have learned, you're nothing. It's time to start living, right? Start living a life that embodies that warrior spirit with honor, with integrity, by strengthening your courage, by strengthening your mindset, right? Getting that balance of body, mind, and spirit. We need to not only for ourselves, but to impart that into our children, into our families. As leaders, we walk this world. So we need to take action. Get fit, Strengthen your mindset, right? Go out there and read. Get a mentor. Join a mastermind group. Get involved, right? Increase your skill set. Join a martial arts academy. Learn how to shoot. Learn how to deploy a knife if you have to. Teach your kids how to be strong in confrontation. Teach them the tactics, the techniques that you have learned, all right? Or for that matter, put your kids in self-defense training. Get them involved. Get them prepared, man, because when the shit hits the fan, with a strong mindset, you will be able to survive and you will be able to win out. This is the key. This is the entire embodiment of the warrior mindset applied when the shit hits the fan. So I urge you to think about what you're doing and to take action in your life and do that today. Don't wait any longer. This is not a time in this world that we're living in for you to sit back. I mean, with that said, we have the Warrior Development Program, all right? This is an online training program. I have hundreds of warrior-minded men over the last few days. I've increased now by another 23 members that just popped in right after the shooting, all right? Why? Because they want to develop and strengthen their mindset, their body, and they want some guidance. I have put my heart and soul into this program. Go check it out at forgingawarrior.com. Also, there's a free guide that I have out there. You can go and grab it, forgingawarrior.com forward slash manual. All right, enough talking here. I want to jump right into this episode, and I want you to whip out your pen and paper and start taking notes. And as always, you guys could DM me through Instagram at man of war with two R's. I'm pretty good at uh, getting back to you guys uh, through DM. All right, let's get right into the show. Clint, welcome to the man of war podcast, my friend. It is a pleasure to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. This is a, this is a good opportunity. Thank you. Awesome, man. I'm, it's been trying to get you on for a while and, uh, you know, because I know you're the man to go to when we talk about self-rescue, self-defense, self-protection, and, and you're the guru at that right now. And I want to dive into this, all right? So before we do this, can you introduce yourself to our um, audience, please? Yeah, my name is Clint Emerson. I am a retired SEAL. Uh, I wrote a couple of books called 100 Deadly Skills. The first one is all about eluding pursuers and basically using bad guy tactics against bad guys. And the second one is more self-rescue, uh, crisis management at a personal level. Awesome. Awesome. Now, did you tell me a little bit about your SEAL team experience and how you use that to start building your brand and, uh, you know, bringing what you have nowadays to the table? Yeah, I started like most, you know, most guys, <clears throat> um, you go to Bud's, you 
then you end up at a SEAL team. For me, I went the medical route. So I went to, you know, the joint special operations medical school. And then I ended up at SEAL Team 3. I was there with all those famous guys, Chris Kyle and Glenn Doherty and Brandon Webb, you name it. Um, So that was the era of guys at SEAL Team 3. And then uh, I hung out there for about 10 years and then went to the NSA, um, which is the National Security Agency, um, and filled more of a solo kind of operational role there and then from there went to seal team six uh finished my career there with uh, roughly 21 years um and all of that experience basically led me to uh you know putting together 100 daily skills and coming up with the violent nomad concept talk to me a bit a little bit about the violent nomad concept because that that intrigues me yeah, one, I just thought it was a cool code name for something. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so I like I, it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, every guy would like to call themselves a violent nomad and gal. I mean, it's not limited <laughs> to a gender. But uh, the goal, in, when I was in, um, I wanted to take operators and turn them into operatives um, at, a, at a much more... Um, low tech way you know we we rely a lot on technology which is great but anything that has batteries or relies on satellites uh it it opens you up to a lot of fail points and the idea when you get into uh, national level operations whether it's at the nsa or seal team six is everything is zero fail Um, so the simpler you can make something the better uh, and it increases the odds of, of success, which is always the goal. And so the violent nomad really was a concept I came up with in my spare time. It has zero links to the community, nor is it part of any secret program. I say that out loud just in case people start thinking otherwise. But the concept was, was to take a guy and go back to our naked warrior heritage. You know, back in the day, the UD tears and the frogmen of, uh, of the different world wars, you know, would swim in really with a pair of shorts and knife fins and their mask and get a lot done. And so modern day version of that would be the violent nomad where you can take a guy, send him overseas with v- zero or too little, um, government-issued technology or weapons, and once he's in a country, then he has the ability to get the mission done, leveraging what he can find in the environment. Um, And so that was kind of the goal, and 100 Deli Skills is a manifestation of a program that I started to kind of build, and when I tried to sell it to the community and to my head shed, everyone was on board like, yeah, that's a great idea, but um, everything moves at the speed of light at that level, and very few people take the time to slow down to, you know, re-engineer something like that. And so it, uh, it fell short, um, becoming operational or anything like that. And so I took the, all the research and the skills that I thought a guy would need and I cut out all the sensitive stuff and what leaves you with, you know, a hundred deli skills, which is in the books. And that is a very self-reliant individual nomadic um that term in itself being a nomad means you can just kind of cruise and, and and maneuver around the globe uh and without relying on anyone or anything else of course violent 
is how we should all be because I think we feel like the word violence and violent is limited to just bad guys and the reality is is we all need to find that violent side because if a good day goes bad you need to be able to bring it Hell yeah. you know all the way to or equal to or greater than the violence being thrown at you so what inspired you? I mean, initially to to I know you had this all structured and uh, and whatever you researched, you put in this book. But for what inspired you really to do this book for the general public? Well, I have a company, um, Escape the Wolf, and what's funny is the first book I wrote was really something I I took two or three weeks of leave while I was still in the Navy, um, put this this little booklet together called Escape the Wolf. And it's really based on Lieutenant Grossman's analogy of, you know, sheep, sheep, dogs, and wolves. And, you know, the general, you know, our general uh, community or, you know, the people that are listening, most of them are, are sheep. They, uh, they just, they know, they just want to get by each day. They're working hard, um, striving for goals that they have. They know that they have sheep dogs, which is the United States military and law enforcement looking out for them to protect them from all the different wolves that are out there. Wolves can, you know, be cyber threats. So they can be that bad guy on the street. But the, uh, so escape the wolf was all about how to elude and escape the potential threats that are out there. And then that book got passed around through Department of Defense contracting companies um, that had people traveling abroad and overseas, uh, and they started calling saying, hey, can you turn this into like e-learning? And then that was the kickoff from Escape the Wolf, the book, turning into Escape the Wolf, the crisis management company, where we write policy and do workforce education and different different. You know, we do everything from handouts to, you know, very scripted uh, videos. And so my first real client was the Wall Street Journal. And we uh, educated all 700 of their elite journalists that travel abroad and put themselves in bad situations all the time just to get the story. And so we're like, well, if you're going to do that, then you might as well have some skills that can get you out of trouble. Um, you know, if, uh, if if the the path you go turns into a, a really really uh, bad route, and so anyway, that's escape the wolf, and we do everything from cyber education to you know safe travel abroad programs for you know Fortune 500 nonprofits, uh, you know mega churches, you name it, and uh, so that's that's kind of my day job, and then. I wanted to be able to say, all right, these are all great practices that we're putting together for corporations. Now, how do I get this kind of information out to the general public? And when you go after the general public, well, then, you know, it has to be, you want it to be always be informative, but if it's not entertaining, then no one's, it's not going to stick. So 100 Deli Skills, you know, is a illustrated, illustrated books, you know, um, that, with narratives that support each illustration, making it very easy to digest and hopefully to remember. And of course, I threw in some taboo stuff like how to dispose of a body and rectal concealments because, you know, that's <laughs> stuff. Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's some, um, I mean, I read the first one, man. It's a very interesting book. And, you know, what I, what I like about it, and like I mentioned to you before the show, is uh, the fact that it's simple. You know, it's not so uh, advanced in tactics and techniques and, and your philosophy behind it. It's just pretty much ABC, and it can be applied and integrated by the layperson. 
And I thought that was a key component on, you know, the actual program itself where, hey, you know, someone could read this and they can apply it because in reality, it doesn't take that much to apply. And I want to ask you another question here. How did you come up with the, the you know, the terminology, say, self-rescue, which is literally, it's like you're in an island by yourself and you are the only person there that's going to, you know, help yourself survive. You know, I, I love that, you know, self-rescue. How did you come up with that? Um, I just saw, you know, there were statistics that, you know, the FBI had that came out a while back that it's been years, but, you know, like 85 to 90 percent of hostage situations um, people that are in that kind of situation think I'm either going to be rescued or I'm going to die. They never really consider the rescue aspect or I'm going to do something for myself right now, whether that's take out the bad guy or, you know, jump out a window. I mean, people were not and will not think about the self-rescue piece unless you start to highlight it. And so that was really the big goal was how do we change the statistics? How do you get people to take more ownership in their own safety and security? And then, you know, have the willingness and the mindset, you know, because once you've got the skills. Hey guys, just a quick break in the action. If you've not done so already, go watch our documentary. It is inspiring, motivational, and it shows what the warrior spirit is all about. Go watch it at forgingawarrior.com forward slash warrior film. And you, if you actually, you know, as you know, if you practice and train to a certain standard, then all of a sudden confidence starts to increase. And when the confidence increases, then boom, you're, you've got the, an ability to actually change the consequences that, that otherwise would have been a horrible day or, you know, life or death sure. situation where yep. death becomes the choice and, you know, you got to choose life. And that's really the goal is get people to self-rescue, self-reliance and stop relying on, you know, whether it's 911 or if you're overseas, it's a state department, there's always somebody we rely on. And the goal is, hey, you don't have to rely on anyone. You can start actually getting yourself out of trouble on your own, but you just got to know how. And so the book delivers the how. Very good. Very good. And, um, you know, one of the key things here is that as a uh, self-defense uh, instructor and I teach in the police academy and uh, I teach, you know, and the philosophy first or obviously the mindset first. But, you know, you, you touched on something that's a little bit different, you know, where you're saying, you know, being self-reliant and say in situations where, you know, you're in a hostage uh, situation. You know, being a police officer that wasn't a SWAT team and then changed over, now I'm a hostage negotiator. I can see both angles here, but what I like about what you kind of laid on the table is that self-reliance, right? That self-rescue aspect where shit, man, you know what? You can't always rely on the cops, right? You can't always rely on others trying to get you out of shit. There are times where you, especially if you do have some knowledge, like taken from your book, you know, you can shit, man, you can help others and you can help yourself. So I like that attitude. I like that mentality. Now I want to go into something a little bit deeper here. Talk to me about an active shooter situation that we've had all over the country. And, you know, I've, I've been teaching active shooters for fucking what, 10 years now. I want to mm -hmm. know your mindset 
in that self-reliance aspect on, say, someone gets caught, I'm just going to throw it out there, in a restaurant. Some motherfucker, some shithead comes in and starts spilling rounds. What's your take on that, on being self-reliance? Yeah, a lot of, uh, and I, I think you know this, self-reliance um, relies a lot on awareness. Now, we always use that term like, ah, situational awareness. But, you know, if you're constantly paying attention to everything in your environment, you're paying attention to absolutely nothing, you know. So it's <clears throat> playing out scenarios in your mind. We talk about it all the time. I don't know how many people actually do it. I know I do. And it's it, wherever you're sitting in a restaurant is and when you go in is the beginning, you know, me, I go into any restaurant. I, once I get my table, then I know, all right, I'm going to sit a certain direction so that I can at least see as much of the restaurant as possible that, you know, we always hear, oh, I just want to be able to see the door. Well, no, you know, it could be somebody coming from the back kitchen. It could be from all angles. So really you just want to make sure you can see as much totally. as possible. Yep. Yeah. The second piece is I always go to the restroom, you know, um, the restroom either leads to the kitchen or it leads to a dead end, you know, so you want to find out what it, that hallway, that specific area. So building good habits that are, are awareness, really, what am I looking for? What are the triggers that would make me go into a run, hide, fight mode and then identify those triggers. And that's that right off the bat, you're being aware. Um, so it's doing things mentally, not just looking around, because if you're just looking around, like I said, then you're not really looking at anything. Um, so first and foremost is, you know, having a plan in your mind and then, you know, if something goes bad, you're going to activate that plan because you never want to make a decision in the middle of a crisis. You want to make those decisions ahead of time so that when crisis strikes, all you do is act out that decision that you've made. I think another principle when it comes to an active shooter, especially in this scenario with a restaurant, um, you know, depending on the size, where the shots are coming from, people need to understand that shots fired indoors sounds much different than shots fired outdoors. Sound travels inside of a building more omnidirectional and channelized, meaning if somebody, if you hear gunshots and it's, let's say you're in an office and you sent a lot of times it'll sound like the bad guy is right outside your door, your office door. But the reality is he's all the way down the hallway and to the right where identifying the shooter becomes key. Because the last thing you want to do is run towards the bullets because you think the sound is – if you're relying solely on the sound, then you increase the odds of running into bullets vice getting away from them. Um, so <clears throat> identifying the shooter right off the bat, knowing that – when panic strikes, things be, people create these channelized avenues of escape. You want to avoid that. So if you're thinking, oh, there's a door and there's a door, well, guess what? Everyone else is going to be going out those doors too. And then you get a pileup, and the pileup is exactly what the bad guy wants. He wants to be able to just throw bullets into a mass of flesh. Absolutely. And the bigger mass of flesh, the more, the more uh, the odds increase for him as far as fatalities or injuries. And so you kind of want to sit back to a certain degree and know, all right, the front door, the side door, those are probably going to be everyone's first choice. And don't think for a second that you're the only smart guy in the room that's going to go, oh, I'm going to go out that door over there because everybody's going to go crazy. And <clears throat> as you know, panic is very contagious. So you want to avoid 
panicking. You want to remain calm, embrace calm, and keep your eye on the shooter, and then make your movements based on gunfire. When you're in a big open environment like a restaurant or something like that, you know, run, hide, fight is not an order. It's just choices. So identify the shooter and then decide what's best for you at that moment in time. Because as we know, these situations yes. are volatile. The guy's moving. Everyone yeah. else is moving. You know, sometimes throwing up the table and using it as, a, as you know, to hide or as a barricade, yep. Yep. you know, to slow down the bullets a little, at least a little bit. If it's a wooden table, a metal table would be great. Um, now you're stopping bullets. But the other piece of this, when you talk about awareness, and I can go on forever, just like you probably could, but when you talk about the hide, it's identifying the difference between cover and concealment. Cover stops bullets, concealment hides you. Both of them are great, but you always want to choose cover first. That's that's the big planters that at the mall. That's the big red concrete balls that are in front of you know targets and different retail stores, those bollards, to stop vehicle traffic from coming up onto a sidewalk. Those are also great to duck behind to stop bullets. Um, structural pillars, you know, whether you're in, a, in you know, big, you know, uh, buildings or malls or schools, there's always pillars that can stop bullets. Um, and then, of course, the hide, you know, as a last resort, yeah, get out of sight. That way you don't end up in someone's sights uh, is the other aspect. But there's a lot that kind of I think is overwhelming that people tend to try to look at everything. But really, if you break it down, all right, if I'm going to run, where am I running? And knowing that maybe everyone else is going to be running that direction too. Okay, I'm going to hide. I want to hide behind things that stop bullet. If I'm going to fight, then I want to team up with other people if possible. But if not, then I'm going to look for improvised weapons and use them against this guy when necessary. And just know that it's the situation is everything. You know, if you're a mom with kids, then your options are much different than if you're a single guy sitting in that restaurant. Then, of course, you're going to go into alpha mode and destroy whatever's coming your way like any good American man should. But if you are a dad and you've got your kids, well, then your priorities change. Um, and then, of course, you know, who's ambulatory, who's not. You know, there's people that with handicaps that can't run, so they have to rely on the hide aspect or the fight. So, you know, it's a great mantra, run, hide, fight, but you have to know that it breaks down in a lot of different ways depending totally. on your situation and your status. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you 100%. One of the uh, elements that you brought up that I like is you got to identify your shooter first. You want to do your best to identify or at least know where the shots are coming from because a lot of times what I've seen in some of the videos that I have studied is that people have no fucking clue where they're running and more importantly they just follow the crowd and that's not always the best fucking plan because no, they can be they can be just like you said I mean right you're you're indoors you know rounds do you know either echo out and they reverb and it might sound like it's right outside your door and it's really 50 yards away and it could also sound that it's coming from your right where realistically bounced off the wall, the echo, and it's coming from your left. So I am with you with that, man, that where you can actually identify where the shooter is or at the very least where the rounds, the area that the direction that the rounds are coming from and then make your plan as you go. I also like the fact that you said, you know, flip tables. Oh, man, I am all about that. You know, flipping tables, even in the fucking worst case scenario, that you're even obviously it's not going to stop a two to three round okay we get that you know at you know wooden thin tables not going to do that but at the very least 
you know, you're looking at hoping that a round deflects off something else. And by the time it hits that wood, um, you know, that wood little table, you know, the penetration is not going to be as powerful. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and steel, like you said, man, steel tables. I love that. You know, if you hit their steel, those might be able to stop rounds. Go to that cover first and foremost. Awesome shit, man. Love it. Talk to me about getting into a position where you are taking hostage, where you're taking hostage and let's just say, uh, you know, for the lack of, of a better term, in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, in either a hotel or a bank where somebody comes in and starts tying up hostages and all of a sudden, you know, they're out there and what's, what's a good scenario and what is a good tactic and technique that people can use? Well, I think first, um, you know, we, we, we stress that you should be always paying attention and, you know, looking for all the cues and clues in your environment that um, basically make your spidey senses go up and get you the tactical decision making going. And um, all that should be kind of always ongoing. Um, and if you but the biggest thing we always have to respect is the element of surprise. And so if you find yourself caught off guard in a, like a bank situation or, you know, you're on vacation in a hotel, um, there, once again, there's some steps you can do to kind of, um, set yourself up for success when, when those, those bad events happen, uh, for hotels, for example, you know, getting yourself, uh, to the second or third floor, number one, safety in that area. Um, you know, a lot of times overseas, and if you're traveling domestically, great, um, unless it's a small town, but the 120-foot ladder that the fire engine shows up with doesn't exist, <laughs> you know, overseas. And many so, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so staying on the second or third floors gives you still that ability to escape out windows if necessary. Yeah, you might twist an ankle with the 30-foot drop, but you know, which is from the second story or the third story, but the, tw- the second story, I mean, Hey, that's a jump that anybody can make without breaking anything. And so, yeah, I mean, that sounds crazy, but the, it's, it's more realistic when there's a, more of a, a natural disaster or an emergency where you've got to get yourself out. So going any higher, um, I just, you know, it's not necessary. The other piece of the equation is it puts you close enough to the, to ground level but still far enough away so that if, you know, like, for example, what just happened in uh, Pakistan, Afghanistan area, you know, that hotel that went down a couple of months yep, ago, yep. you know, they stormed the place. They stormed through the lobbies. Um, so you're giving yourself a couple layers of protection between ground floor or the lobby, you know, and a couple of decks up. It gives you the ability to play cat and mouse with these guys. You know, when these guys storm the place, they don't, it's not 40 of them. It's usually four. So they can only be in so many places at any given time. So it allows you, you know, the, the, the fire escape stairwells, um, you know, there's a myriad of, exit points when you talk about commercial hotel and you just need to identify those know where those are and give your give yourself the ability to play that little bit of cat and mouse so when they're coming up you're going down remember to look look around use your eyes pay attention to your senses and leverage them you know and once again you got to look for the bad guys identify the bad guys and then make your decisions based on that not just running out of your hotel room like a crazy banshee or barricading yourself in there on the seventh floor and now you've just given you just barricaded yourself into a dead end and if they're going to go from room to room looking for westerners or whatever their goal is you just don't want to be one of those now 
all of that is all the stuff you got to take into account and there's a lot more um but now you find yourself in that hostage situation um you know i always tell people if you're outnumbered outgunned or taking severe blows to the head then you need to temporarily surrender the last thing you want to do is get knocked unconscious because then now you can't control anything so always maintain your level of consciousness always stay awake which will obviously keep you alive so in the in a hostage situation now you're going to placate to these guys if they're going to restrain you you're going to put your hands out a little exercise i always have people do is grab their wrist you know with whichever hand open and close their fist open hand your wrist gets big when you make a fist your wrist gets small so when you present yourself to the bad guys if they're going to tape you up use zip ties whatever it is hands open together and put them out and then let them put that stuff on and you've just created slack without that without them even knowing that you just created slack right um so the idea is is you're going to placate to these guys you're going to be nice you're going to be respectful you're going to try and build rapport you're going to try and get the human aspect going ask them about their family tell them that you have family you know i don't understand what's going on you basically want to play pussy for a little while so that you can get your bearings and figure out your next move but always setting yourself up for a successful escape and the goal is either one you're going to you know start to identify your openings or your exit strategies uh, or two you're going to find a weakness in the crew or whatever's going on but there's always something there and you want to do it sooner than later the last thing you want to do is sit on target for any you know amount of time um, especially when you talk about abductions you know if they get to the second stop the third stop you then it's too late for you most of the time because that's where they're going to take off all your clothes put on better restraints we all know that anything that's done hastily like at the beginning with sure. restraints or whatever they're doing well that's sloppy right it's all gonna it's all time can they're trying to get stuff done as quickly as possible they're bad guys they're not exactly you know not a lot of times they're not the smartest dudes and they're not always uh planning things as effectively as you think they are but and i think you know this being law enforcement i know me overseas dealing with bad guys you know they 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 get away with a lot of stuff because they're leveraging the ignorance or people that are naive or people that are just scared or fear what's going to come next instead of taking control and dictating what's going to happen next, but always placating to these guys, you know, and if it gets into a long-term survival situation, hostage situation, now they talk about eccentric rings of life, right? The first ring is always water and food. You want to ask for that. You want to get that going. Um, you know, using the restroom, you know, these are all human factors that, you know, when they have you hostage, they're hostage too. They can't leave. You can't leave. Everyone's in it together. And then the more you realize that, that they are just as much a prisoner as you are, now you can start really playing them and it becomes more of a communication game than anything else. But I mean, I could once again go on forever. I don't want to eat up <laughs> well, that's all the good, time. Man. Good, the good big, stuff. Big, the big, the big takeaways. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So tell me about the say the warrior-minded man that goes out, say to either a restaurant, a movie theater, a mall. I mean, how do you propose that this individual goes out there and okay, I get to stay, stay aware. Okay, and this is, you know, obviously we're going to stay aware, try to do the best we can in our three hundred and sixty. 
But how do you propose that an individual goes out there and checks out the exit sign, say goes to the kitchen to see if there's an exit door from the rear? You know, these seem like a lot of different, you know, tidbits to put together as a normal individual, even though you're a warrior minded man, to kind of placate and add to your plate. You know, when you go out with your family, how would you do it? How do you teach that? Yeah, I think one, you've got to be relaxed and nonchalant about how you do these types of things. The last thing you want to do is alert some other guy or gal in the crowd as you look like, you know, some paranoid freak rucking around checking doors. But, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I tell people all the time, you don't necessarily need to check the door. You just need to make sure you know the other avenues of, you know, escape or be aware of w- physically of what's what what you have to play with if something goes bad and it's all about breeding good habits so you know the first couple of times you just got to make yourself do it and before you know it it just becomes like muscle memory that yeah as soon as i get my table then i'm getting up and going to the restroom i mean a lot of people do this to wash their hands anyway you're just you're just taking it a little step further on what you're looking for and paying attention to on the way there um movie theaters especially you know when we looked at the different shootings um there was like i think 50 percent of them where they're coming through the if you look on the outside of theaters where the actual screen is usually on both sides of the screen there's exit doors that we all look at that's correct yep. what one of the shooters or several of the shooters have done if you look at those doors from the outside they're slick there's absolutely no hardware on those doors. There's no handles. There's nothing. They're just slick, usually like metal doors, commercial-grade doors. Now, on the inside, you have usually like, you know, some kind of, um, you know, emergency bar, you know, release-type door so that if there's a fire or whatever, all you got to do is put body weight against it and the door opens. And that's usually the goal, and that's all dictated by OSHA. But these guys have either one taken the strike plate you know where the bolt goes into the actual door frame and they've packed it with like toilet paper or something so it prevents it from latching so they can grab the edge of the door and still open it or they put a wedge of some sort so what i always tell people is hey you know you're getting in the movie early enough to get the good seats well then you might as well walk down and make sure pull and push on the door without releasing it you're not trying to open the door you're just pushing against the door making sure that it doesn't open um, and if it does, well, then you want to make sure it's secure. But that's like 50% of the shootings in theaters. These guys have come through those doors. They haven't walked through the lobby and, you know, go into a theater and start shooting Absolutely. people. Yep. They come into the theater from the outside, you know, using those slick doors. But they've packed the door or they've set the door up so that they have success. But. That's kind of most that I don't mean to interrupt you here, but most of the ones that I have studied have absolutely come towards the front of the theater where those exit doors have been a key element for them coming in. No doubt about it. Yeah. And and, and I know that it sounds like a lot, but once again, just be nonchalant and just check the things that, you know, if you're. I always say, like, if you're taking the time to get a great seat, then why the hell wouldn't you just at least check doors when it comes to your own safety? (laughs) It's like people will ignore the safety aspect, but, you know, get there early enough to get the great seat. Totally, totally. Yeah. And, you know, you brought a good point up earlier. You alluded to this yesterday. There's a huge difference between protecting your life and then being out with your family and protecting not only your life, but now you have your wife and your kids and, you know, whatever it may be. It's a different component altogether. So how would you, as far as mindset and awareness, now that you have 
others next to you. I mean, would you change your philosophy or your outlook as far as being, you know, self-defense conscious with other people around you? Yeah, I think I think if you're with your family and you've got, let's say, toddler and younger, well, then now, you know, the escape aspect becomes far more important than you going into a fight, right? You got to grab your kids and get off the X. You know, I, I tell people all the time, the X is where bad guys hang out, right? The X is the target. The X is the spot in which either the bad guys decided they had the most stealth, the least amount of third party awareness, um, and the highest confidence factor that they could do whatever it is they're going to do on the X. And the goal for the bad guys is to get off the X as soon as possible. And the goal for you should be to get off the X as soon as possible. So the X is always moving and changing along your route. It could be the, you know, the proverbial like dark alley that you're not going to walk down, but that could be the X or it could be a school. When you talk about school shootings, that's the X, you know? So when you have your family, your toddler and younger, it's all about getting off the X. You do not want to hang out there. People die on the X and that's the, you just, Whatever that means, you have to escape. Um, now, I've got a 13-year-old daughter, and now once you get to that age, now you can, in communicating with your family, once they get to the age of understanding what you're talking about, and actually have some capability. They're not relying on strollers. They're you know ambulatory, and they can move on their own two feet. Um, well, now that kind of changes things, because now you can actually sit at dinner and say, all right, Let's run some scenarios, you know. If someone came through, what would you do? What do you think the best idea? Make it a discussion. It doesn't need to be scary. You can it's it's make it entertaining to a certain degree, but communicating about it ahead of time once they get to that age is really important. It could be sitting in the restaurant, going to the theater, when it's time to leave the grocery store and walk out to the vehicle at night, you know, what are we doing? What are we looking for? You know, it's everything from the guy that jumps the curb and runs people over, not because he's a terrorist, but because he's on his cell phone or it is, <laughs> yeah, no you know, the bad guy. And what are we going to do? You know, a mom with kids, you know, she knows what she's doing when she goes out to a car. You know, she, I tell you, women, once they have kids, they're like all over it. You know, they know that they're not going to be, when it's time to put that kid in the car seat, they're looking around beforehand. When it's time to put the groceries in, they're making sure the kids are secure beforehand. I mean, most moms, some of this becomes very instinctual. Uh, um, and, but, you know, but for some, they need to be told and they need to be taught. Very good. Very good. So, Talk to me about the warrior mentality and that will to fight that you're going to need, obviously, in a situation where the shit hits the fan. Yeah, I think this goes hand. There's two sides of this. There's the bad guy side, and then there's, of course, us. The bad guy, you need to understand. Everyone needs to understand that they are just as nervous. They got just as much adrenaline. It's usually... Most of the time, their first time to be pulling the trigger and actually shooting people. Um, there's a lot going on with them, which, if you understand that, and if you've ever been in that situation, like, you know, us, you and law enforcement, or us going overseas and actually being the shooters. You understand the emotions, you understand the distractions, you understand the tunnel vision that could be kicking in. You know that 
This person can't be shooting in all directions at the same time. This person cannot be watching his or her flanks or what's going on behind them at all times. And all of a sudden, once you start taking all this into account, you realize that even if I don't have a gun, I still have some advantages over this person because of the nature of what they're doing and now what they've committed to makes them vulnerable, whether you've got a gun or not. And now you're going to start to look for those openings. And this is what, you know, after you do a bunch of direct actions or raids on different compounds or bad guys, over time you start to go almost get a little, not paranoid, but like you come into a room, I mean, you check the corners, you're sweeping, yep. and then you're like, you know, once you think it's clear, you're still checking those corners again. You're still looking behind mm -hmm. you because it's like, I don't want anyone jumping on my back or someone getting in the way between me and my guys. There's a there's an element there that starts to sneak up on you the more and more you do it. Like, whoa, did I just leave? You know, that you start thinking, your mind starts to take over and you're like cons consistently and constantly checking your six and checking those flanks and making sure that you didn't miss anything. But a guy that's first time, it's adrenaline tunnel vision, man, he is completely open. And I think once you start realizing that now in, in acting out these scenarios in your mind, which is a huge thing, training your brain is the best thing you can do if you can't actually get into experiential like scenarios in a kill house or at a fake restaurant, you know, with a Hollywood set and simunitions and all these great things and tools that we use so that, you know, we calibrate ourselves to be ready for something like that. Uh, if you can't, then you're left with really just training the brain and constantly running the scenarios on what you would do if something happens, what ifing, what ifing, what ifing, coming up with those decisions. And if it does happen, at least you've, you know, you, you, your body may not be doing exactly what you want it to, but at least your mind is now in a place where it can confidently, to the best of that, the best it can, the best that you could give it, making some better decisions so that when things go bad, you hopefully do all the good things and hopefully the right things to survive that whatever that incidence is. But confidence. Is hard to come by in these types of situations unless you've been in it or lived it. Um, you know, it, it'd be great if you know if you could you know set up these scenarios and like we do in law enforcement, the military, and and actually train to it. But it's difficult for the layman. So that mindset piece is all about confidence, knowledge, trying to bolt it all together, and then being able to act on it when the time comes. Uh, very important. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. I mean, that that's uh, so I mean, you know, we can sit here and we could talk about all these, you know, hypotheticals and and, you know, these specific situations that happen in, in the real world out there. But uh, you mentioned the key point here, which is confidence, right? You got to have that confidence. You have to have that ability to, you know, step up strengthen your confidence and then fucking act on it right actions yeah. are the most important aspect of that warrior mindset so how would you i mean for our listeners you know what would be your philosophy be your philosophy behind strengthening that warrior mindset um i think one if um if you're not already in some form of combatives you know, it's it's good to be physical. Um, you know, our 
bodies are, you know, we always hear your body's your temple, your body's your billboard, whatever you want to call it, but it ultimately is what you're going to rely on the most. And so one, you got to be in shape, you know, in order to survive anything. Um, that's cardiovascularly, you know, inside and out, right? Not just what you see in the mirror, but you got to make sure you got the lungs and the heart that have the capacity to endure the 30 seconds to a minute of all out whatever it is. And so that's, that's a key component. So a healthy lifestyle balanced with both the cardiovascular output and also, you know, then the strength and there's a difference, right? The endurance between your heart and lungs and the endurance that your muscles can endure. you got to make sure you're covering both, at least a little here, a little there. Good point. Um, combatives, you know, ha getting into those, getting into simple combative courses, whatever your flavor is, it doesn't matter as long as you're getting in something that puts you into that man versus man situation so that you can, you know what it's like. You don't want to be the first time you get involved in something physical to be, you know, something real or life, life threatening. Um, and, you know, training your body trains your mind, your mind trains your body. It goes hand in hand. So, you know, the combatives piece is great for man versus man. Um, and then, of course, you know, depending on the state you live in, you know, if you can rely on your weapons that you can carry, then, of course, by all means, do so. But make sure you're proficient, efficient, and safe with these things. You know, a lot of people go get concealed carry, and then it it sits in the holster and sits on their hip, maybe, or sits in their car, maybe. Yeah. Uh they never go to the range and you know i think you know and i know shooting paper is cool being accurate is cool but mm -hmm. if you can't draw that thing in a timely manner and you don't oh fuck on, yeah yeah and if you don't work on drawing the weapon on a regular basis well then you're worthless you're worthless to Love people that, so and and understanding that when you pull that weapon in public you, you know you better be that's when the, the accuracy piece comes in handy and knowing to look at your background and making sure understanding that bullets, you know, can go in any direction as soon as it comes out of the, out of that, uh, barrel. And anyway, I think there's, there's a lot of components here that people can work on to build their confidence and get that mindset. And it, it's all about being more physical. Um, so that, you know, when, when a good day turns bad, it's not your first time. It may not be, It'll be your first time to be in that event, but it won't be your first time for your body to know what to do or how to react. And then the other aspect is, you know, be open to knowledge. You know, it's always learning. Read what you can. Learn what you can. Be resourceful. Take it all in. Uh, don't be discriminatory. You know, there's people that kind of go down a path, especially with combatives, and think this is the it, you know, factor. And it's like, no, you... One thing I always tell people is learn the big macro movements because under stress, your fine motor skills tend to go out the window oh, unless you do it. Yep. Unless you're a, unless you're an MMA guy and you're doing this shit eight hours a day, then yeah, you're you're going to be able to do the Jason Bourne five minute fight scene in a bathroom right. stall all day long. But sure. that's not what we want to mm. do. The idea is to inflict pain and then get away. Um, not sit there and, and continue to fight. And a lot of people think, oh, yeah, SEALs should be saying, oh, we want to stay and fight, 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 fight all day long in a bar or wherever. But no, it's it's not – that does you no good, as we all know. It's inflict pain and and then and then leverage your exit strategy. But anyway. Well, one of the things that I get 
you know, I get a bunch of emails from time to time of individuals, you know, asking me, you know, what is the best combatives? What is the best martial arts to train? The yeah. issue that I have with that question is in reality, I'm, I'm a huge believer in it's not the martial art or the combatives or the self-defense approach that is going to make you a better fighter. It's yourself, right? It's your individual, how much time you put into something. And truly, I mean, are you covering all your angles? What I have an issue with, and I want to know your your, um, opinion here in in a second, is jujitsu is a great form of absolute combat. I love it. I train it. I've been training it for a very long time. The problem here is that the wave that we have right now is headed, even in law enforcement, this is an issue that I had recently, where everything is ground, 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 ground. And it's, you know, throw, get to the ground and fight in the ground. Now, all my studies here, and I've been shit over a decade here, indicate that while most fights do go to the ground, while most hyper-violent attacks do go to the ground, not all of them go to the ground immediately. There are certain time frames within that battle, within that confrontation, that it could have been terminated in a different situation, except it just went to the ground because the the speed that it was going at and because both opponents, both guys that were fighting, became tired and then all of a sudden they went to the ground. So, yeah. so I don't know what your take is on you know going to the ground immediately, but I am not a big believer in that's the best use of your skills and weapons and skill set, you know, against a hyper-violent attack out there. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, You know, we all know that 99% of the time a fight goes to the ground, um, but your goal is to never go to the ground. And I I completely agree. Staying on your feet is probably one of the most important things you can do. Um, You know, once you're on the ground, yeah, if it's – if the perfect scenario is one-on-one, but we all know that (laughs) – that, that may not be the case, and you may not know who's going to jump in as soon as you are on the ground. So I think it's, you know, it's naive to, if that's your skill and that's all you do all the time, then of course that's all you're going to know. But I completely agree. We, you, it always goes to the ground, but it's always the one thing you want to avoid at the same time. And so we're striking, whether it's your palm, fist, forearms, elbows, knees, shins, I mean... These are all great resources um, on your striking side of the house that, and then knowing how to stay on your feet, you know, where it's, whether it's boxing or Muay Thai and, and being able to move around and avoid going to the ground, delivering the strikes that you need to in order to resolve or find a solution to whatever the, whatever is going on or to create that pain so that you can then, you know, exit, you know, stage left and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you need ground skills knowing that most peop- most fights do go to the ground, but I think you have to have the mindset that you're going to stay on your feet and you're going to know how to use your feet, you know, in a, in a beautiful dance of violence um, with, with all your strikes that you've got to bear to avoid going to the ground at all costs. Amen. Amen. And I'm with that, especially when we're training women, you know, it, it's that it's you want to try to do everything you can to to stay on your feet and to end that or at the very least disengage get to a position where you can disengage from that attack yeah now i'm going to uh ask you another question here which has nothing to do with 
the United States. We're going to be going overseas, okay? What is your favorite weapon to take since, you know, most of the time guys here can't carry guns over there or, you know, to different countries. What's your favorite weapon to take that you can take in an airplane or at least bag it um, overseas? Oh, it's something I've been talking about forever. I should have I should have bought stock in Zebra, I tell you. Um, <laughs> but the Z, the Zebra F701 is a steel barreled pen. These things are a couple of bucks. Yep. Um, they perform the same, if not better, than any tactical pen you can buy on the market. Um, and you can have them in your carry-on. You can have them in your cup holder of your rental car. You can have them in your hotel room. I mean, you can carry as many of these things as you want, and you're never going to have an issue going through TSA. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you talk about, like, most civilians really are living the naked warrior concept because they don't have access to a bunch of cool stuff like we did. So um, when you're doing that, you know, no matter where you're going, you know, you've got – you can have that that steel barrel pen. You can have a roll of quarters, you know, um, which can be – I mean, I, I talk about how to deploy a roll of quarters in, like, five different ways as a weapon that – does not feel good, um, regardless of regardless of how you use it. Um, but another another piece of the equation is you land. You know, these days, you know, yellow cabs aren't so safe depending on where you're going. Sure. Uber is becoming more and more popular, and believe it or not, is kind of safer because there's that communication between the apps that tell you who you got and who's coming and Agreed. where you're going. Agreed. All this good stuff. Um, but the other piece of that is you can go stop at a, you know, depending on where you are, a supermarché, the souk, or a market of some sort, and you know, kitchen knives are sold everywhere. And sure. I used that used to be like one of my first stops. You know, now you got to sell the stop, <laughs> right? You're buying a knife and an apple, right, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you get that first real weapon um, bought, and knowing that it's a throwaway. I mean, it doesn't matter. You're not trying to bring it home. You don't care. Sure. But it's something you can buy. They're sold everywhere. It's easy. It's cheap. You can dump it if you need to. But ultimately, at least you've got something that supports, you know, your pen gets you there. And then now once you're there, you can get whatever you want. I mean, hell, there's open air markets with RPG, RP, you know, RP, RPG-7s and everything else. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> depending on where you're going, hell you can yeah. buy just about <laughs> anything. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask all my guests. All right, Clint. What is your definition of a modern-day warrior? Um, Well, I would define it as the violent nomad. And there's four components to the violent nomad. That is one, and the big one, is knowing that violence is not limited to bad guys. You should be just as violent, if not more, than anyone or any adversary you face. And learning how to harness and then unleash that violence is something that you know you either have it or you don't but you can get it and it goes back to training to a certain degree and somehow so that you can kind of find that violent side it is our most primal aspect that we all have but over over you know thousands of years some of us have lost it but you can find it it's just a matter of doing so uh a second one knowledge Knowledge is everything. Always continue to learn. Always embrace any kind of skills or knowledge. See if it works for you. What works for someone else may not work for you, so you've got to kind of filter through all of it, catalog what works for you, and then always have it readily available, whether it's your mind or the weapons you carry. 
Um, and then the other is that that more devious side, right? You want to outwit, outthink, outsmart um, the adversaries we face. And I, when I talk about that, I mean everything from the cyber threats to the actual physical attack. And so that, that once again, being able to outwit, outsmart, but be devious, meaning you're thinking like a bad guy, acting like a bad guy, doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad guy. It's all about if we if we position more good people so that they have bad guy skills and you're just taking away from them from the very beginning because now you know what to look for. You know what's coming around the corner. Um, you know, it's awesome. – uh, it, and then the, the fourth piece is being nomadic. And when I say nomad, that doesn't mean, you know – sleeping under a different bridge every night okay that's cool and all but <laughs> nomadic <laughs> is all about that self-reliance starting to embrace that hey no matter what challenges i face i know that i can deal with them alone and that i don't need other people to help me um, help is great you never want to turn it down but having that confidence and being nomadic is uh, is a great skill great piece of being a warrior love it man love it love it love it all right, so talk to me. Where can people reach you? Where, talk to me about your company. It's it's your time to shine here. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, Instagram um, Instagram is like the number one place. Obviously, follow 100 Deadly Skills on Instagram, and then you can contact me through my Clint Emerson uh, dot com. There's a hundred deadly skills.com and then there's escape the wolf.com. So, or you just Google Clint Emerson and you'll find plenty of crap. <laughs> what about your books? What are the titles of your books? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the links on the show notes so people can go and grab your books. Yeah. Books, a hundred deadly skills and the best place is Amazon. You know, they're, they're in Barnes and Nobles. They're in every place books are sold, but you know, Amazon's probably the easiest for people these days. That's awesome. Man, Clint, you've been a, a plethora of knowledge here. It's been awesome to have you on. I mean, certainly it's, uh, I could hear it in your voice. You speak with passion and you're a true warrior minded man. I love that, man. Keep up the good work. And ob absolutely, I'm going to have you back on this show because there's so much more that we left on the table, man. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Man of War podcast rocks. Thank you very much. Thanks, Clint. Appreciate it. There you have it, a great conversation with Clint. This guy is an expert at crisis management. I hope that you were able to take some key elements out of this great conversation. If not, go back and play it over and over again until you grasp it. All right, if you enjoy this podcast, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. It'll really mean a lot to us. I mean, obviously, I don't charge for this podcast, and you guys know this takes a tremendous amount of work to get two podcasts every single week. As a reminder, we also have a podcast on Friday. It's usually a motivational short or an EDC review of 12 to 15 minutes long. You're going to love it. It's called Warrior Log. All right, until next time, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory. <laughs>